This is LBC with Matt Fry. Call 0345 6060 973. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. That news bulletin, by the way, read by Simon Morgan there. Um, as you may know, we've been talking about uh, Ukraine for the last uh, two and a half hours or so. A lot of stuff happening overnight, especially from the U.S. President Joe Biden, who's gone further than most Western leaders in saying that he is now convinced that Vladimir Putin has taken the decision to invade. Listen to this. The fact remains, Russian troops currently have Ukraine surrounded from Belarus along the Russian border and with Ukraine to the Black Sea in the south and all of its border. We have reason to believe the Russian forces are planning to uh, and intend to attack Ukraine in the coming week, in the coming days. We believe that they will target Ukraine's capital, Kyiv, a city of 2.8 million innocent people. We're calling out Russia's plans loudly and repeatedly, not because we want a conflict, but because we're doing everything in our power to remove any reason that Russia may give to justify invading Ukraine and prevent them from moving. Make no mistake, if Russia pursues its plans, it will be responsible for a ca catastrophic and needless war of choice. The United States and our allies are prepared to defend every inch of NATO territory from any threat to our collective security as well. We're ready to impose severe sanctions on Russia if it further invades Ukraine. But I say again, Russia can still choose diplomacy. It is not too late to de-escalate and return to the negotiating table. Last night, Russia agreed that Secretary of State Blinken and Foreign Minister Lavrov should meet on, fe on February 24th, February 24th in Europe. But if Russia takes military action before that date, we'll be clear that they have slammed the door shut on diplomacy. President Joe Biden is speaking overnight in Washington. He sent his vice president, Kamala Harris, to Washington to the annual global security conference to make the same point again, although not quite in, in the same sort of robust language. We heard the prime minister saying something very similar. The Germans seem to be on board, the French as well. There is real unity in the Western alliance. And I'm very happy to say that we've got Simon Marks on the line now from Washington. Um, Simon, um, you, you know, you're LBC's Washington correspondent. We come to you to take the pulse of that great nation. I was just speaking to someone in Moscow a few minutes ago who said, actually, the Russian people are not that engaged in this particular crisis. They care more about um, corruption or indeed COVID and how it's being dealt with or not dealt with or the cost of living, etc. What about the American heartland? Well, I think that's a really good question, Matt. I mean, President Biden in those comments at the White House yesterday insisted that America is united. The American people people, he said, are absolutely, absolutely united behind his approach to this. And I'm not sure that's entirely true. I mean, first of all, if you turn on Fox News, you will see in the primetime hours uh, opinion hosts who are absolutely siding with Russia openly in this conflict. I mean, we've in, in these tensions. We're at the point where uh, Tucker Carlson, uh, one of the most watched figures on American television, uh, was asked in an interview by the New York Times 
just two weeks ago whether he is a paid Russian <coughs> agent uh, and denied it and uh, said he wasn't uh, and argued that he couldn't be because he'd never been to Russia and doesn't speak Russian, which is uh, an interesting way of uh, attempting to clear the, uh, the situation up. Uh, but more broadly than that, I mean, I have said for years uh, that, uh, you know, once you stop telling the American people that a country called Ukraine exists, they won't care very much when it's in trouble. And that was uh, obvious uh, at least 10 years ago when the American media in very large uh, measure stopped covering uh, the former Soviet Union with any degree uh, of rigor. I remember that during the election uh, that pitted Viktor Yanukovych against Viktor Yushchenko uh, in Ukraine, a CNN anchor interrupted a correspondent at one point in Kiev and said, these both both these men are called Victor. It's so confusing. And at that point, you kind of knew that, you know, the American public had largely lost uh. the plot in Ukraine. So it's not evident to me that the American public is lining up four square behind Joe Biden on this issue. What about Democrats and Republicans? Well, Republicans up on Capitol Hill absolutely have, in large measure, certainly uh, people that we now think of bizarrely as centrist Republicans, men like Mitch McConnell, who, you know, 15 years ago were as right-wing as the Republican Party got. They are backing Joe Biden. Indeed, Mitch McConnell has praised Biden's moves uh, to send American troops uh, to Eastern Europe, to put 8,500 additional troops uh, on standby to join any NATO response force that is activated uh, in the event of of a Russian invasion. McConnell actually saying uh, on this occasion the Biden administration is acting before a crisis hits and deserves credit for that. Joe Biden's got difficulties on the left wing of the Democratic Party, though. Stop me when that becomes familiar. Progressives like Bernie Sanders, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, the congresswoman from New York, uh, and others don't like the troop mobilization that is underway. And there is a bit of a difficult path that Joe Biden's got to tread, particularly uh, with his kind of left flank, as he aims to protect NATO's eastern flank. Uh, and that is that, you know, he's the man who told Americans he was bringing troops home and disentangling the United States from conflicts in parts of the world uh, about which they knew very little. And we have seen thousands of troops heading <coughs> to Poland, Romania and uh, other parts of NATO's eastern flank uh, over the course of the last couple of weeks. Now, we know that America, um, indeed like Britain, has had a very tricky relationship with its own intelligence thanks to the Iraq war. The new policy from the administration seems to be to be incontinent with intelligence. Whatever they get, <laughs> they splurge it out. Has that re-established any trust between the American population and the CIA, you know, or the intelligence services, or are they still, you know, somewhat sceptical about whether to believe this stuff or not? I think there's tremendous scepticism, and it's partly because while the Biden administration certainly has engaged in a lot of splurging, they don't back the splurging up with a lot of documentation. So there was a real standoff at the State Department uh, a couple of weeks ago when uh, the, the State Department spokesman was first asserting that Russia was going to engage in a false flag operation and the United States had seen intelligence to back this claim up. And uh, sort of the dean of the State Department press corps, Matt Lee of the Associated Press, said, OK, so where's the intelligence? Where's the documentation? And the State Department spokesman said, well, I've just told you. 
And Matt Lee says, no, you've told me that you've seen intelligence that suggests this is going to happen, but you've not shown us the intelligence. When Secretary of State Antony Blinken uh, was briefing the UN Security Council this week, uh, it was very redolent in some ways of Colin Powell uh, going to the UN Security Council and claiming Saddam Hussein of Iraq had weapons of mass destruction. But Colin Powell actually provided uh, satellite imagery and uh, tape of communications that the Americans had intercepted mm. uh, among Iraqi officials to back his claims up. There was no multimedia presentation this week from Secretary of State Antony Blinken, who clearly sensed that there was some scepticism that he needed to try and combat. So he did address it, but essentially said to the gathered delegates and to the world community watching, trust us, we're Americans. But the difficulty with yeah. that, of course, is that, you know, recent history makes that somewhat complicated. He did also point out there, didn't he, that he was using all this intelligence to stop a war rather than yes. to start one. Yes, correct. Right. And, 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 and was clearly drawing a distinction there, trying to draw a distinction between uh, the Biden administration's approach to this and the approach that uh, George W. Bush's presidency uh, uh, took to all of this, with, with the caveat that the Biden administration says, you, you know, it's putting all this stuff out there partly so that after an invasion begins, they're going to be in a position to say, look, we did tell you that all this was happening. But look, this plays into the big narrative that is underway throughout the Biden presidency. And it's a truth versus lies narrative. We see it here domestically uh, on a whole range of issues, whether it's vaccine mandates and the efficacy of vaccines themselves, um, uh, the trucker protests supported as they are by uh, many right wing figures in the United States. Those protests up in Canada and now we're seeing it play out in in a big way uh, on the world stage as the Americans argue the Russians are going to use their state media lined up completely four square behind Vladimir Putin to promulgate a pretext to launch an invasion. Do you think there's an argument for saying that uh, President Biden's rather fruity language on this comes cheap? Because at the end of the day, America is not going to send troops to Ukraine. It might send weapons, it might send money, it might send rhetoric, but it's not going to send troops. And therefore, ultimately, the effects of any war won't be felt in the, in the American heartland, unless, of course, it gets really nasty and spills over. Well, he argues that the effects of war will be felt to some extent in the American heartland because he keeps arguing that the crippling sanctions that he plans to impose will not be a zero-sum game for the United States, that America will be hit as a result of uh, these sanctions. And certainly, as you see, the oil price tick up towards $100 a barrel. That's potentially worrying to American motorists. But you're absolutely right. Geography plays a massive role in all of this. Ukraine is over there. It's not over here. And there are contradictions in some of the things the president says about Ukraine. We're absolutely determined to defend Ukraine's uh, territorial integrity and its sovereignty. But of course, we're not going to do that by putting American troops on mm. the ground in Ukraine. He insists that there is total unity between his government and its allies and partners in Europe over sanctions. But yesterday, a National Security Council official here conceded that in the first raft of sanctions, Russia's financial institutions won't be barred from SWIFT, the interbank system. If you barred them from SWIFT, they'd essentially be marooned. They'd be like financial institutions on a desert island.
Ireland, completely unable to uh, engage with the rest of the world. But there's opposition to that move in Europe, so it's not going to be in the first raft of sanctions. We've seen the discomfort uh, that German Chancellor Olaf Scholz has about the issue of possibly, as Joe Biden puts it, ending the Nord Stream 2 uh, pipeline mm. project, whatever whatever that means. The administration won't provide details of what that rather dark, threatening phrase means. Uh, so, again, this, this proclamation of unity with Europe is not actually uh, backed up by reality, and Vladimir Putin himself will be totally aware of the fissures that exist uh, and can in the future be exploited between the United States and its European allies. Here's one for you at the end, uh, Simon. How do you think President Donald J. Trump would have handled all this? <laughs> well, Donald J. Trump has been effusive in pointing out uh, that under no circumstance would this um, crisis ever have arisen uh, during his presidency. And uh, he appears to think that that's a, a bad well, thing. He would have just given away Eastern Ukraine. <laughs> Well, because yeah, precisely because of the nature of his relationship with Putin. He was, throughout his presidency, very critical of the way the Obama administration had handled the Crimean uh, annexation, although never quite explained what he would do in order uh, to prevent Vladimir Putin from going further, as the Russian president now seems poised to do. I think Trump feels that merely by the force of his own personality and his friendship with Vladimir Putin, he would find a way uh, of communicating with the Russian leader that he needed to mm. step back from the abyss. And, and let's be honest, Matt, what would he do if that went wrong? Well, he'd tear up all the presidential papers relating to it and flush them down the loo. <laughs> OK, for another day, that one. Just finally, briefly, I'm sorry. Um, uh, well, could this save the Democrats in the midterm elections, what Joe Biden is doing here? Well, well, I, think it's very difficult to, I think it's very difficult to imagine that it can. I mean, of course, it depends on the outcome. If we get to a stage where Joe Biden is able to say to the American people, look, finally, a national security success. My statesmanship prevented an invasion. We successfully defended Ukraine from the threats that it was facing from Russia. Well, that certainly gives him a fillip and allows him to erase some of the stain, not all of it, uh, that he incurred as a result of the botched military withdrawal from Afghanistan. Uh, but look, that seems like it's a long way off from being a reality. And the real danger here is that a president of the United States who came into office absolutely determined that he was not going to be distracted by Russian President Vladimir Putin. You know, Tom Friedman, the foreign affairs columnist mm. for the New York Times last year, described Vladimir Putin as America's boyfriend from hell. You could never get rid of him. Uh, well, now <laughs> Joe Biden is absolutely firmly distracted by Vladimir Putin and might be for months to come. Simon Marks, LBC's Washington correspondent, thank you very much indeed for getting up early for us. I'm Matt Fry. This is LBC. The time is now 12.48.